Hi, I'm Bruce Bannister, pastor of Hillside Christian Fellowship. I just wanted to communicate in light of the coronavirus, just some of the things that we're doing at Hillside. We are going to meet tomorrow on the 15th of March at 1030. And this is kind of going out to our congregation and anyone else who would like to join us. You know, in the past, we're pretty much a friendly church family. And you know how family is, uh, if one person gets sick, they all get sick. But because of the concern for older people and some of the older people in our congregation, we're just asking with anybody who's had a fever for the, within the last two days or is coughing to just stay at home. And that's why we're putting out this podcast so that you'll hear the message I'm going to speak tomorrow, but you can have fellowship around the word and with what's going on here at Hillside. If you uh, need to um, or have a desire to give, and but you're not here, you can always go online. Uh, to our website, hillsidechristianfellowship.org, and you can um, give online, or you could just send a check if that's what you want to do. So I just really want to uh, speak from my heart today, and the title of my message is The Holy Spirit, Our Healer. You know, in um, we've been talking a lot about the Holy Spirit the last few weeks and witnessing just God answering prayer in powerful ways. Been praying for people at the altar and just seeing some miracles and some things going on. In the light of what's going on worldwide, there is such a fear that's being generated. I just really wanted to address, address that, and I was wanted to go to Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 3. The Lord had Isaiah prophesy, Now thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. That's that whole thing that we have our assurance for us in Jesus Christ, that he's with us. And because of so much talk about the virus and just the generating of the media, the more we know, it just it causes our mind to be caught up in the realities. And it causes fear to move on our emotions and we get apprehensive about being sick. The next part of the verse says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. In the word wealth, uh, in my Bible, waters is a metaphor for the stormy seas, for the vast nations and seas of people. And oftentimes we uh, equate waters to the Holy Spirit, but in the Old Testament, this word actually meant like when you go through things. And this virus and the different things that are going on is like one of those things that we're walking through. And this is a promise that we're not to be afraid, but God is going to be with us. For it says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you won't be burned. What an incredible promise that is for us in this current times where we're hearing so much about this virus. And it's just stirring some discomfort, especially when you hear the news and you hear different things going on with people who have it. So just one of our words today is don't fear. Fear not. We are vulnerable to fear because our body is subject to sickness and death. I want to just talk about our physical bodies for a moment. You know, in Romans 7, 14, it says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. 
You know, we understand that in the garden when God had made Adam and Eve, they had deep relationship with him and they were very alive spiritually. But in the day they disobeyed, they, they fell into sin and disobedience caused death to pass upon all man. And really the effects of Adam and Eve's physical being became really a reality where their body was now subject to pain and discomfort. In 2 Timothy 5.23, Paul tells Timothy, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. And not try to really focus on drinking wine because really drinking wine back then was because of the conditions of the water and the lack of sanitation that they had. That You know, we don't have the same problem today. But it's that part about your, your frequent infirmities. And it's interesting because we've really been praying a lot for people to be healed. And like I said earlier, we've seen some healings. But the, this part where Paul was talking to Timothy brings up the point of the physical body and the weaknesses that we have in our flesh and the vulnerableness that we have to being sick and getting sick. In Romans 8, and 23, it says, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs and together until now. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. And how many times when we get sick, oh, we, we know as Christians that it is the Spirit of God who gives us life, and yet we're dealing with a body that's weak and uh, subject to sickness. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is talking a lot about what happens when we die. And this is kind of about... Uh, after the resurrection, but it details and brings out the point of the corruption that our, our, that our body has. So also is the resurrection of the body. This is uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 42-45. The body is sown in corruption, but it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in weakness and dishonor, but raised in glory. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first Adam became a living being, and the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. And now again, that reference to Jesus being the last Adam, that when he died on the cross, he made the way for us to come back into relationship like Adam was before the fall. And so we receive Jesus, and the life-giving spirit comes and lives inside of our spirit. But it's still encased in this fleshly body that is subject to sickness and disease. You know, Satan promotes fear. He uses fear to manipulate and intimidate people. Especially us as Christians, we can have a great time in prayer, reading the word and be so built up in our faith, faith and, uh, and yet in the next moment, hear something negative and then we feel discouraged and we get downcast. Satan is the God of this world. He's the God of this coronavirus. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 describes Satan as the God of this world, the God of this time. And he is like a thief and he wants to steal from Christians and even unbelievers. He wants to steal a hope. He wants to uh, cause there to be a continual fear about what's going to happen tomorrow. John 10.10, 10, Jesus identified Satan as the thief who comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. And again, I think at this time he's trying to steal the faith in believers and even hope for people in the world. But also can be a positive thing right now with, with this thing being a global crisis. In uh, the Word of God, it talks about in the last days, God was going to shake things. And people are being shaken. Uh, the stores were all plugged. Uh, on the way to our Bible study this morning, the men were different, talking about the different stores in the area that were just packed 
with um, people trying to get water, the fear of like not having enough. And that's something that's really real. But it also says in John 10, 10, which is the greatest part of this verse, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it life evermore. And also in the, in the Amplified Bible, it says, have life until it overflows. It's a promise of an antidote to fear. There's also called the spirit of fear. In 2 Timothy 1.7, Paul told Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of the Holy Spirit. It's a spirit of power. It's a spirit of God's love. And it's a spirit that helps us have a sound mind and to stabilize our thoughts. At this time, it's so important to read God's word, especially the promises about peace and about how God is going to take care of us, especially as we hear more and more negative things in the news. So in the world, Satan, it's God, promotes fear, and we will get sick. It's going to happen. Our key verse for today is Exodus 15, 26. It's the last part of the verse. God declared to the children of Israel, I am the Lord who heals. It's a declaration that stands for all times, that God is the healer. And it's a, it's a voice that is declared loud and clear. If you're sick right now with anything, it's a promise that God can heal you. And God is a God who's with you to call on. How many times have you been sick? I just think about the different times I've been sick in my life. I was thinking uh, having measles when I was a kid, having uh, mumps, having chickenpox, the different things that we, we, that we went through as kids, whole times when our whole family was sick with the flu. In Psalms 41.3, this is an incredible promise for this time. It says, the Lord sustains them on their sickbed and restores them from their bed of illness. Well, how awesome it is to know that we have a God who's with us when we're sick in bed. How many times have you gotten well? And you know, we think a lot of things that make us well. We go to the doctor, we get medicines, there's different antidotes and remedies that help us. But in Psalms 24, it says, the earth is the Lord's and its fullness. Every good thing is from the Lord. And so the fact that we have doctors, that we have medicines and different things that help us while we're sick are incredible. But I ask this question, what revelation did the Lord give you while you were sick in bed? And I have to say that, you know, recently having to deal with a virus myself a few weeks, over the last few weeks, um, the time I spent in quietness and having to stay in bed and not doing the things I usually do, I felt a deeper connection with God and I really understood the meaning of that. You know, so, so many times we're so busy in life and we have so many things and so many demands you know, on us that we, we feel like, even as Christians, bad if we have to uh, take a few days off and be sick in bed or we're afraid that we're going to lose money. But in that place, this really promise of the word comes to us or God comes to us when we're sick and he does a deeper impartation into our lives. I want to ask this question, what revelation did the Lord give you while you were sick in bed? And I, and I want to offer this also, that there is a tension between being sick or having sickness and healing. That tension is really about the Lord. You know, in this time where us as churches and Christians were trying to adapt with what the president's asking and remember to pray tomorrow because it's a national day of prayer that he's called. You know, we wonder where God is at. 
I think for us too, like I mentioned before, we're really seeking and praying and praying over people to have healing in their bodies. We had a person who had been bedridden with a failed back surgery for over 15 years, who were actually 14 years, and they have recently come back to church this year healed. So we see God doing things. But there's a glory of God. The glory of God is seen every time there's a miracle. The glory of God is seen every time we have an answer to prayer. The glory of God is evidenced whenever we gather in the local church and He manifests His presence and we go out just feeling uplifted and encouraged. The Holy Spirit is moving in this time in the church. We see more healings and have been praying for more. We've seen people not healed also, but it doesn't discourage us because we know God is basically in control. What if in our time right now that God wants to show a distinct difference between the world and his church. I want to talk about a past distinction. It was actually during the time when the children of Israel were in the process of going out of Egypt. It was when God was contending with Pharaoh against all the false gods and all the things that were going on to show him that he definitely was the God. God began to make a distinction between Egypt and Israel. In Exodus 8, 20-23, And the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh as he comes out to the water. Then say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants, on your people and into your houses. The houses of the Egyptians shall be full of the swarms of flies, and also the ground in which they stand. And in that, day I will, in that day I will set apart the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell. No swarms of flies shall be there, in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. I will make a difference between my people and your people. What an incredible thing began to happen. That not only as judgment began to fall on Egypt, God began to show a separation between his people, the children of Israel, and the Egyptians. During the fifth plague in Exodus 9, 6, it says, So the Lord did this thing on the next day, and all the livestock died in Egypt. But of the livestock of the children of Israel, not one died. In the seventh plague in Exodus 9, 23-26, And Moses stretched out his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and fire darted to the ground, and the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. So there was a hail, and a fire mingled with hail. So very heavy that there was none like it in all the land of Egypt, except since it became a nation. And the hail struck throughout the whole land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail struck every herb of the field, and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, there was no hail. It's incredible how God wants to do stuff like that and has done. And I just think, you know, people have been saying since there's been so many things going on the last few years, the floods, the tornadoes, the hurricanes, the fires, uh, recently in Australia, the fires, that it seems like we're getting towards the end. And I think also this global uh, 
pandemic that's seen and heard by every person that God wants to do something. And could this be the time that God wants to show his glory through the Christians in the church? That somehow we'll be like the children of Israel in Goshen. That God will begin to bring healing and restoration and none of the plagues will come upon us that came upon the Egyptians. That God will show healing to his church, not to um, make the people in the world feel uh, like rejected, but they might know a place they could come and run to to find peace, safety, and healing in these desperate times. And I want to uh, comment and just talk a minute about nurturing a posture of receiving. You know, when we read the Word of God, it comes and replaces our fears and gives us a point to release our anxieties and frustrations to God. And we learn to have a trust in what God's Word says. In Romans 8.10, Paul wrote, In Christ, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. And that's just simply saying, when we receive Jesus Christ, we're born again, and our, our body is separated from that sin uh, and the consequences and sets us up to receive healing and restoration in him. Again, sin brought in sickness. Uh, and Jesus dealt with sin by dying on the cross so that we can receive healing. And so when we come to God, when we're sick, we just need to posture ourselves in the place of receiving, just like we breathe in air, that God wants to heal us, that he paid for our healing when he was beaten by the stripes on his back. And when he died on the cross, he separated us from our sin from all times. All we have to do is confess our sin, repent of our sin, ask God to search our heart, and we set ourselves up to be receivers of healing. A promise we have goes with Isaiah. 1 Peter 2.24 says, Jesus who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. We're free from sin. We can receive healing. There was a testimony of uh, one of the ladies in our church this last week. And it's from Psalms 91, 9 through 11. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. And she was mentioning that when her young son got sick, she started praying that prayer and confessing that over her life, that I am not going to get sick. Then after her young son got sick, her stepson living in her house got sick, and her husband got sick. But she kept saying, Lord, I'm living and believing. I'm under Psalms 91. And she went through that whole time, and she never got sick. And it's just saying we're in different places in our, in our walk with God. Just like children at different ages, they start walking at different times. Each person is so unique and individual. And yet as we walk with the Lord and have relationship with Him, we begin to walk in what the Word says. We, a faith begins to, to do, rise up inside of us where we start receiving and experiencing God in incredible ways. Here's a promise for the Lord. So you shall serve the Lord your God and he will bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. And I will fulfill the number of your days. That's a promise of incredible that we will live uh, uh, our, our destined time on this earth, that we can serve the Lord and be influenced to other people. You know, this uh, virus has been, you know, another one of those things that seems to come. And I have to say, it seems like there's one fear after another. 
what fear will be next? What will the enemy throw at us next? We have to really keep an openness to let those things that have distracted us just help us to recommit to our relationship with God. In John 17, 14 through 16, Jesus' prayer to the Father, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. What a promise, huh? Jesus knew it was coming along even back 2,000 years ago. And so we know we're in this for the long haul, but God is with us and he has promised to separate us from the evil one. And whatever evil is involved with this virus, the promise of the Lord is to keep us from it. You know, the Holy Spirit uses the word in the Bible, this word called sanctify. And it just simply means to separate us. It is the spirit that sanctifies us and he sets us apart. In John 17, 17, it's, Jesus said, sanctify them, talking about his disciples and all the followers would come after him and after them. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. It is God's word that sets us apart. Sets us apart to believe that uh, from what's different than our circumstances and what we see coming in the world. Verse 18 goes on, as you sent me into the world, Father, I also have sent them into the world. And for your sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. That means Jesus set himself apart to serve and follow the Lord, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and to fulfill that sacrificial lamb that we might come into the blessings of God and receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus went away so that the Holy Spirit could come into our lives. And now, you know, thinking about the virus and all that's going on, we have this promise in Romans 8, 20 and 28. And Paul the Apostle promised us and wrote us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit he said this and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose I just want to say a brief prayer thank you for listening Lord I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that these truths would just touch every person who hears them and a faith would arise and fear would be dispelled I pray for a new confidence to come on every person. And I ask that people even would receive healing right now from sicknesses and uh, flus and different things that are trying to come upon them. And I pray a great encouragement would come upon each person who hears this. God, I thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen.